morning. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, who is all that is, who comes into our lives with a bang and with a whisper, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your disruption, which shakes us to our very core and transforms us more into your image. We pray that we may know your abundance within us and that that knowing would be the light on our path and the fire on our heels. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. First, thanks, Laura, again. I always feel like with the elders, or whoever it is that's leading children's time, the elders in charge, it's like, I want to say thanks so often because it's such a lovely segue into the sermon. Like, it's beautiful. And I know that that's likely the, church, the case at a lot of churches where the children's time leads into the sermon, but often I feel like especially as I sit up here without a script, it's like, oh, there's an extra gift that's just given every time that weaves it all together, that lets me know we're going to be okay, and lets all of you know that there's a continued message that comes. So today I'm going to go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert that I'm going to get back right to where Laura said in children's time that everything comes back to love. Everything comes back to how we love one another, how we love ourselves and our neighbor as ourselves and how we experience the abundant love of God in doing so. But how it gets there is messy, and I want to hold these two stories together, these two passages, but I want to actually start and spend some time in Mark. Because we're back at Mark chapter 1, and a lot of times when we hear these stories or read these stories, so often they get kind of lumped together, of like, okay, well, that's another healing. It's the Sabbath, he's doing stuff in the synagogue, and people are responding. Let's just keep going. But I want to contextualize this a little bit. Now, this is still very early in Jesus's ministry. So we had the baptism and then the calling of the other disciples. But this is the first time that he is in a public space, like that he's in a, he is in a synagogue. I'm going to say he's in a church. He wasn't in a church. He was in a synagogue. But I want to say for our own context so that we can understand kind of where he was. He was in his religious home. 
so to speak. And this is the first time he's there. It's the first time he does something publicly. And I want to just underscore that because Jesus, I love, he's not subtle. He's not subtle. He knows I've got a short amount of time. He knows like I'm here. I want to make as big an impact. I want to step in and I am going to show exactly what this ministry is going to be about. I'm going to step in. I'm going to let people know clearly, unambiguously. And what is he doing? He's healing people on the Sabbath. That wasn't allowed. That wasn't allowed under the law. And I want to be really, I want to underscore really importantly here that when we talk about things not being allowed under the law, it's like at its inception, the reason the law was given was a way to identify this group of people who were living together so that they could show their special relationship, unique relationship, how they experienced the divine through the law. It wasn't just a set of rules that they were supposed to follow for the sake of following. It was a way to learn how to live in relationship with one another, to learn how to trust the abundance of God is going to show up, especially for people who were in the wilderness, which is when that law was given. It was a way to show them how to survive together as a community, individually and collectively, how to maintain their wholeness as a cohesive people. And so the temple, the synagogue, that's where they went to practice that, like church. This is where we come to practice church. And just like it wasn't intended to be a set of rules that people just followed for the sake of following, or even though, it had become just that. It had become a set of practices and rules that people were following because they thought it made them good. They thought, if we can just do these things, if we can just follow these laws and not do these things, then we will be good. But we don't actually need to look around at anything else. If the law is the gate into the inner temple, they got stuck at the gate. And so Jesus comes in and he says, I am defying those rules. I am defying those laws. I am here to free the brokenhearted. I am here to liberate the oppressed. I am here to break all of those chains that bind us, all of those things that tie us down and prevent us from seeing who we are as the divine incarnation on this earth that we all are. And I know that's unsettling and uncomfortable to hear that we are all the divine incarnation here on earth, but we are because God is all that is. Jesus came to show us that, but God is all that is. And so Jesus is here saying, if we are practicing this just for the sake of practicing this, then we have lost our way. If we cannot heal people, if we cannot cure people, if we cannot actually meet people in their suffering and help showing them a better way, then we cannot do what we are here to do. We cannot live into being who we are as God's people. I find it striking that Jesus is here to liberate all of us, to free us from all of these things that bind us. And the first thing he does publicly, the first time he speaks publicly, is in a religious institution. What does that say? I'm reminded this week of a story that I've heard that's been ongoing since last spring, but has sort of escalated in the fall about a pastor in Bryan, Ohio. I don't know his, I don't remember his name. But last March, they started housing unhoused people in their church. They saw all of these people who needed homes and needed a safe place to be. And they said, okay, we're going to open our doors and we're going to give these people a place to stay. We're going to be the church because that's what Jesus tells us to do. Now, as you might not be surprised to hear, 
the residents around this area weren't quite as excited. Residents around an area never get really excited when you bring people into a community who don't fit what that community looks like. Now, this may happen depending on the community, but more often it's those who have more uh, affluence that get really uncomfortable when folks come around. And so they've started housing people, but then it became this big debate back and forth in the city, the fire marshal, all these different things, and it's escalated that they've actually brought criminal charges against this pastor for housing people. And you may say, well, it's not that. It's this or that. It's these rules. It's these laws. If these rules and these laws are preventing us from housing people who need a home, then perhaps it's time for us to re-examine these rules and these laws, especially our religious rules and laws. I say this also as I look around, and I know in Richmond how much rents are going up, how much the cost of living is going up for everyone. And yet I also know there are so many empty spaces around. There is enough housing for everyone. There is enough housing for everyone. There is enough money for everyone. There is enough love for everyone. But what happens is that so often is that we get caught up in our religious practices, especially if we have affluence. We get caught up and we say, well, if we just keep practicing this way, then we don't have to look around at what's going on in the world all around us. Because we're practicing the right way. God is taking care of us clearly because we have all this stuff. What Jesus is telling us is that this stuff is not anything if it is not actually shared among the community. This stuff is not anything if it prevents us from actually healing the sick, from binding the brokenhearted, from softening ourselves to the reality of God that is in everything around us. So Jesus is in there, he's saying to those who are sick, who are lost, yes, yes, there is freedom here. Don't worry about those religious laws. I'm here to show you what those religious laws were put in place to do. They were put in place so that we could know who we are and how we live in relationship with one another. Not so we could exist in a vacuum and prop ourselves up and stay isolated from everyone else. The law, the commandments, Jesus' living presence here among us. Those things were all about showing us who we are as God's beloved and how to live in relationship with one another to be able to experience the fullness of God's love here and now. Jesus has not come to say, I love you now. This is the way you can do this now, but forget it for the next few thousand years. Don't worry about it. He's saying this is practical. This is how you feel better also. But a lot of times it means breaking the rules the church has told us to follow. If those rules are only holding up rigid establishments that are not binding the broken, that are not curing the sick, then those rules need to be reexamined. Same thing with the institutions that those rules have built. If our church is not able to provide people with the ministry that Jesus models, then our church is not doing the ministry of Jesus. We don't actually need more money to do the ministry of Jesus. He didn't have money. Neither did the people he called. He didn't have a table. He ate at every table where he was welcomed. 
but he knew that when he was going to be eating at those tables, that it was all the dirty, unclean people who were going to be there with him. Unclean people, the outcasts, the ones who made others uncomfortable. The way that God enters this world is never going to align with the way that the rigid power structures would have it be. I'm sorry, that's uncomfortable, but that's not how the divine works. Because the divine is here for everyone. Everyone. That means you, that means me. Everyone. That means the brokenhearted on the street. So when I hear stories about the pastor in Ohio, my heart breaks. But not for those homeless folks who maybe are going to lose a home. A place that they've been sleeping. And not for the pastor who has charges pressed against him. My heart breaks for all of those hearts that are so hard that they see a pastor trying to house people who need a home and they say, this is a problem. You cannot do this here. My heart breaks because what happens? What happens to someone? What happens to us to make us so cold? What happens to us that we can turn our away from suffering? I think a lot of it is that we don't know how to get in touch with our own suffering. We don't know how to get in touch with the idea that this person who's experiencing this thing that we've distanced ourselves so far from could very easily be us. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, it is to recognize and to underscore that your neighbor is yourself. There is no way to separate me from you. We are in these bodies and you may say, well, look, I'm in this body, you're in this body. You are thinking on earthly realm there. You are thinking in the earthly realm. Jesus calls us to understand the spirit here that is only one thing that is only one thing i was really moved last week with marty williams visit she talked about moving into a neighborhood because she felt they were called to move into this neighborhood as white folks into a predominantly black neighborhood that was experiencing a lot of crime and she talked about all of that and i always hear that and my, my ears perk up and i'm like what are you doing because of my own experience because of my own white self who wants to figure out how do I navigate in black spaces? What is my presence there? So I'm suspect of other people who are doing things that I would be suspect of myself, which are often things that I do myself because I'm living in the same neighborhood now, 15 years later. But what I loved and what I loved hearing her say again and again was that we just trusted we came in and we built relationships. We built relationships. As this neighborhood has been gentrified, she said, it's funny, we don't talk to our neighbors as much anymore. Our neighbors don't talk to us as much anymore. Because we get scared of each other. Because we get our stuff and then we think somebody's going to take our stuff. So we're going to protect our stuff. And other people then become a threat. How does it change if we view this stuff we have as an opportunity to connect and to engage? So then it's like, y'all, we got this stuff. Look at what we can share with people. And look at what they can share with us. Because I guarantee you, if you sit down in a conversation with somebody who has experienced half of these things that so many marginalized folks have experienced, you're going to understand a depth of love for yourself that you hadn't experienced before. Because you're going to see it radiating from the face of the person across from you. This person who's been through so much life that maybe you can't or don't want to imagine. But there it is, abundant, filled with grace and love. And then sure enough, you start to see that that grace and love that is so abundant on the face of this person that you have decided is other is actually offered to you as well. And we start to put down those barriers between us 
We start to see that, oh, I can talk with this other person. In fact, they're teaching me so much about what it means to really live life without fear, without shame. It is such a wild time in the world. And when I try to think about what to offer folks as a point of tangible advice, support, what can we do right now? The first thing I continue to come back to is let your heart be broken. Now bear with me. Let it be broken. What Jesus is doing here when he steps into that synagogue, he looks directly at the face of the person who had been told that they were unclean, that they were not worth seeing. Jesus looks and he lets his heart be broken again and again and again broken open. Maybe his heart was already broken open. Maybe he came in with a broken heart. But what happens is that when you allow your heart to be broken, you allow the connection between you to open up. You allow yourself to feel the grace that is already holding you. You allow yourself to experience the true and profound, I would say divine connection that you experience when you are truly present with another person. You begin to realize those things which are in them, which you had deemed unclean, are not. You say, be gone with those things I had projected onto you. Be gone with those things I had projected onto me. And you just meet back in love. You meet right back in love. Because here's the thing, is that energy which binds us all together, that spirit which weaves us all, which is all that is, that is love. Not in a pie-in-the-sky way, I'll say this again and again, but in a practical, transform-this-world kind of way. In this you-don't-have-to-feel-alone-anymore kind of way. Only love can both expand and draw us together. But we, we have to believe in it for it to work. Letting your heart be broken gets you to the space where you have no choice but to believe in the love that holds you. So let your heart be broken. Know that it is God in and through holding you the whole time. Manifest in the faces all around you. Manifest in all creation. I guarantee you that love is sturdy enough to hold you, to hold us all. Amen.